Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, and this song tonight uh, parallels what I'm going to preach in 1 Timothy 1, 15. Amen. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul said, let my life be a pattern of long suffering. He was long suffering to Paul. His life became a pattern of those that would follow and would believe on him to life everlasting. <clears throat> Verse number 17. Now unto the king. Everyone say, now unto the king. <laughs> now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to preach tonight, heaven celebrates, but earth won't dance. Heaven celebrates, but earth won't dance. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask for your anointing and your touch the hand of God to be felt in this place and let there be a strength that comes from your word. The scripture brings strength to us. Amen. And we ask that that strength and that ability would be felt in the house of God tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you can be seated. Heaven celebrates, but earth won't dance. Paul talks about the king eternal. Eternity is not something that you can completely get your brain around. It's very difficult. It's much like the concept of infinity. For those of you that enjoy mathematics, infinity is something that goes in both directions for infinity. It never stops. That's why it's called infinity. We really don't like that because we would rather have closure we want to know when things begin and when things end. Infinity strikes down that concept, and God reveals himself in mathematics. What it reveals is that we are finite individuals. We only have the capacity of doing so much. We're finite, and there are limits to our understanding it also reveals that there are concepts and truths that are beyond our own limitations that we cannot see. We can't see them because we're limited. We are finite. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church in chapter 13 and verse number 12. He said, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, for I know in part but then shall I know even as I also am known. Paul was saying, I cannot understand eternity, but I can understand the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul would say there are some things I might not get a grasp on, but I know that there is a king and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul said he came to save sinners, he came to achieve mercy. He showed long suffering and life everlasting. And so Paul, when he gets to the end of this, the only thing left to do is to praise 
the only wise king, to give him glory and to give him honor and to magnify his name. I want you to know tonight that in this place and in this house, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in this place. And we have opportunity. We may be finite. We may have limited understanding, but I know one that is infinite, that has understanding far beyond what I could even conjecture. And he's in the house of God tonight. And so that when I consider all of those things and I see the definition of all of those things, there's only one thing left to do in the house of God, and that is to praise him for his excellent greatness, to magnify him for his mighty acts, to stand with the psalmist and say, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. If you have breath to breathe tonight, you have opportunity to recognize his kingship and his lordship. He's the king of kings, the only wise God, immortal. There is all power in his hand. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that saves. He's a God that redeems. I wish I had a witness in this place tonight. He's a God that picks you out of the miry clay. He's a God that establishes your goings. And though I may have limited understanding, I know there is a God that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In order to follow the king that comes to be crowned, the king that comes to the earth and the earth won't dance, heaven always has known his power and his ability. We can travel to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 24 and verse number 7 in which the psalmist speaks to inanimate objects. He says in verse number 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be you lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Are you thankful tonight that you've got someone on your side that's mighty and he's in the battle? <laughs> You're not fighting the battle by yourself, but the Lord strong and mighty He's in the battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, Salah. Just take a praise break right there because I'm talking about a God that's in the middle of the fire. He's the same God that's in the middle of the burning bush. He's the same God that's in the middle of the walls that come tumbling down at Jericho. He's in the middle of the Red Sea because he parted the Red Sea. Hallelujah. He's the king of glory. The irony is the psalmist is talking about inanimate objects. He's talking about gates. He's talking about pews. He's talking about pillars. He's talking about doors. He's talking about carpet. And he challenges the animate. The inanimate objects are the things that are not supposed to worship God. The animate objects are the things that should worship God. That pew right there doesn't have breath to breathe. 
breathe. But this body right here has opportunity to breathe. That pew shouldn't be worshiping God over against this body that's got breath to breathe that should be worshiping God. I'm not waiting on a gate to praise God. I'm going to praise God with the very breath that I've got within me to magnify him and lift him up. If I've got hands, I'm going to clap those hands in magnification to the king of kings. The king, he's the king that cannot be seen. He's the king who speaks the creation into existence. He's the king that warns Noah and his family of impending doom. He's the king that calls Abraham out of his homeland to a promised land and a promise that he gives to him. He's the king that appears to Jacob in a dream. He is the king that gives a dream to Joseph. He's the king that calls Moses from the midst of a burning bush. Moses says, when I get to the children of Israel, who shall I tell them? Sent me. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel. I am hath sent me unto you. Moses, when you go back and face difficulties and you face trials and circumstances and conflict, you say the I am that I am. He's the one that has sent me. You're not going to see him. He's not in a statue. He's not in an idol. He's not connected to the sun God, the moon God, or any other of the Egyptian pantheon of God. But the I am is definitely going to be with you. And there is a power that's going to be associated with the I am. You may not see him, but know this. Heaven is rejoicing because heaven recognized that the I am is the one that created all things. And they're celebrating the I am going with you in the midst of turmoil. Ladies and gentlemen here tonight, I want you to know that the king of kings is with you in the middle of your circumstances even tonight God the king of kings the only wise king he's there he's there why don't we clap our hands and acknowledge tonight that he is there you're a God that is there you're gonna help me you're gonna direct me he's the king that leads the children of Israel out of bondage He's the king that is unseen. God is a spirit. You cannot see a spirit. He is Yahweh. In the Old Testament, he is Yahweh. He is a spirit. This fact will differentiate you, speaking of the children of Israel, from the rest of the world. You're serving a God that cannot be seen. He is a spirit. He is Yahweh. The connection of all the other nations that are around you, they need images. They need idols. They need tangible evidence of your God. But this does not mean that I am not with you. I'm going to be with you. Just because you don't have a figurine, just because you don't have an idol, doesn't mean that your God is not going to be with you. Just because it's not tangible, it's intangible. I'm going to be with you. And in that regard, I'll be tangible. How am I going to do that? I'm going to be a cloud 
by day and a pillar of fire by night. I'll come out of a burning bush. Hallelujah. My hand, my face, my arm, my ear will be with you. Not a big hand, not a big face, not a big arm, not a big ear, but a right hand of power and strength, an arm whose hand is not short that it cannot reach, but I'm going to reach and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be with you. The great temptation was to turn from what cannot be seen and hold on to the gods of other nations. But God says, I'm going to be the king and I'm going to be with you. This is why Isaiah in chapter 44 and verse number 8, the prophet wrote and said, Fear you not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed who have formed a God or a molten a graven image that is profitable for nothing. Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed and the workmen, they are of men. God, Yahweh, the spirit said it's not in an image. It's not in a graven image, a molten image, a formation of some kind of God. Those that trust in graven images and molten image and says to their gods, they will be greatly ashamed. Isaiah said in chapter 42 and verse number 17, this is an unseen God that is speaking to humanity to avoid the error of trusting in something he created. Why would you worship something that he created when you could worship the creator? Praise God. Time to come up a little bit higher. Don't make you a God of wood. Worship the God that made the wood. You're missing the opportunity of recognizing the power. It's not in the molten image. It's not in gold and silver and carvings and things of this nature. It's in the God that creates those things. Get your eyes off the idolatry of the world and recognize there's a God that has created the ability for a life to have its being. I'm thankful tonight I'm not stuck on an idol, but I'm stuck on Jesus. I'm thankful tonight. Hallelujah. I don't have to have some kind of an image, but I've got a power here in the house of God tonight that is the presence of God. I can't understand how anybody could stand in the presence of the King of Kings and not lift their hands and lift their voice and magnify God. Why? they have any being. Brother Powell, you stepped out of the aisle tonight and you started a jog around these pews. If you had your full capacity, you would have went with full capacity. But you still got some breath to breathe and you still have opportunity and you're still praising him because you recognize he's the creator. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of all things. And he's worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. You can see a divine frustration in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 21. 
Yahweh says, tell ye and bring them near. Let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord there and there is no God else beside me? A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There's a divine frustration. He's a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the king of kings. He's a king of glory. Solomon recognized in his wise understanding in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 27 when the house of God was completed and was built and Solomon is praying. Solomon asked this question, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded. Solomon recognized this was an infinite God. The king, by that very fact of being king, exhibits and displays his power and his royalty. It is amazing. He speaks and walls fall. He speaks through animals and he speaks to individuals like Balaam. He speaks and creation is created. There is a control of nature when God speaks. Yet, though he is crowned and respected in the dimension of heaven, he is crownless in the dimension of the earth. Humanity won't dance, though heaven celebrates. I want to tell you here tonight, I don't want heaven to celebrate without somebody here on the earth willing to dance unto the Lord in his presence. I want God to know that the angels know who you are, and there's an individual by the name of Kevin Mark Bradford that knows who you are as well. And for that reason, I'm going to dance before you and declare that you're the king of kings. And you're worthy to be praised. Heaven celebrates, but the earth won't dance. There's a frustration. He comes as a king then to be crowned. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John chapter 1 and verse 14, John continued in that prologue, and he said, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What was John saying? For a long time, many, many centuries, he was an unseen God. Heaven celebrated him, but seemingly there was a disconnect until the word became flesh and we beheld his glory. God manifested himself in the flesh and said, I'm going to take the opportunity to try to not only have heaven celebrate, but I'm going into the earth to see if I can find somebody in the earth that would celebrate. And the only way that he can do this is if he becomes what we are. The unseen king becomes the seen king. 
and the revealer of what is unseen. When they saw Jesus, they saw the creator. When they saw Jesus, they saw the father of everything. When they saw Jesus, they saw power and ability to do miracles. He wasn't unseen anymore, but he was seen. There's a world in which God is unseen, but he's still reaching and he's still calling for individuals. Hallelujah to recognize he can be seen. He can be felt. John chapter 8 and verse 57, the Jews said unto him, you're not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, <laughs> before Abraham was, <laughs> I am the unseen king that was celebrated in the Old Testament. In the heavenly has become Jesus of Nazareth in the earthly. I was before Abraham. I'm the same I am that spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. And I am standing before you. John chapter 10 and verse number 30. Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, I and my father are one. That wasn't a statement about just unity. If it was just about unity, then the next thing wouldn't have happened. The Jews took up stones to stone him because Jesus answered and said, said to them many good works have I showed you from my father from which of those works do you stone me they said we're not stoning you for a good work we're stoning you for blasphemy because you being a man has made yourself God hallelujah well what they didn't recognize is that was God standing before them before Abraham was I am the I am is the same I am that spoke to Moses and I'm standing before you telling you that I and my father are one. They recognize that the unseen was making a proclamation that he was seen and they said that's blasphemy. I want to tell you tonight I'm so very thankful that I know who Jesus is. He's not a lesser God. He's not an inferior God. He's not a, he's not a detracted God. He is the God. Jesus looked at them and said to Philip in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip, I am the Father. The only Father you're going to see is me, because I am the revelation of what you cannot see. Praise God. Philip recognized in that moment that he was looking upon on, the only representation of who God is. Heaven celebrated, but the earth was having a difficult time dancing before the Lord. They wanted to push him out, shove him out. They, they wanted to call him blasphemous.
Jesus. Hallelujah. But nevertheless, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But in this place tonight, we have the opportunity to receive him and to say, we're going to set you in your rightful place. We're going to crown you as king of kings and lord of lords. I don't come into this place just to see you, but I come into this place to entertain the king of kings and the lord of lords. Why do you folks get so excited? Because the king of kings is in the house. Why do you people dance like you do? Because the king of kings is in the house. Hallelujah, I'm going to celebrate with heaven on the earth that we serve a mighty God. After eight days, the disciples were within in John 20 and verse 26. And Thomas said, the doors being shut, Jesus standing in the midst. Thomas said, I won't believe until I see, I see the nail prints. Jesus said, Verse 26, peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, this is the book end to John, the gospel of John. The first part, the first book end is the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. That's the first book in. The last book in, in John is Thomas who says, my Lord and <laughs> my God. Jesus came to be crowned. Amen. Heaven celebrated, but Jesus was coming to the earth to see if somebody would dance. Amen. The irony, though, is Jesus comes to a place to be crowned. Not in the perspective of what we as humanity in our finite minds would say would be a place for him to be crowned. Jesus is moving towards something. The heavenly realm, the heavens that celebrated up to this point, looking in, cannot believe what the God of the universe is taking upon himself. And they are aghast. The disciples are trying their very best to comprehend it, but it's difficult on their part to comprehend it. Creation groans at the idea of Jesus taking up his passion and heading to the cross. Jesus is moving with authority to the cross. It is at the cross where he creates a new family. He dies for all humanity. There is no more Jew and Gentile. And I've got to tell you right here, let me just insert right here. I'm so glad that Jesus breaks down every, every demarcation and definition that, that, that there is. He breaks it down and he says there's a new family being called together. There's no Jew and Gentile. There is no male or female. There is no separation. I'm creating a new family. He reveals as he makes his way to the cross that he is going to produce a supreme act of love. John chapter 3 and verse 14, the writer's trying to find an illustration and he captures an Old Testament example. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. In the Old Testament, there was a, there was a, a circumstance in their history in which because of their sin, 
There were fiery serpents that spread throughout uh, the children of Israel. They, they erected a serpent on a pole, and if they would look up to that when they were bitten, they would be saved from that. John said, here's an example. The Son of Man has come to be lifted up. And he said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am. Praise God. I am the one that brings a supreme act of love to you. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men, all of humanity unto me. He was going to a cross. The king, heaven celebrated, and he's coming to earth to see if there's anybody that would take up the dance of recognizing and understanding that Jesus Christ is doing something great. That which was unseen becomes seen. And he comes to be crowned and he makes his way to Calvary. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We wouldn't be there here tonight if there was not a cross. But it was because an old rugged cross that the unseen who became seen and he made his way to that cross. No longer are we servants, but we are friends of God. The model, Jesus reveals to us the model of what it means to love one another. We have to love one another through the lens of how Jesus loved us. Praise God. The cross is by definition love. It's not my will, but thine will be done. The crushing of self-will and ego as Jesus makes his way to Calvary. This cross becomes the new Passover. There is no need to go find a Passover lamb anymore because Jesus is the lamb without blemish and without spot. For as much as ye know, you are not redeemed by corruptible things. Amen. Such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The new Passover has a new lamb and the new lamb is Jesus Christ. There will be no more oppression. When you find this lamb, there's going to be a new exodus. The old exodus was out of Egypt from bondage and slavery. The new exodus is out of a world of sin and bondage and slavery and oppression so that there are no chains that shackle you. But because of this sacrifice and the crowning of this king on Calvary, each and every one of us have opportunity to lift our voice and to say we're not in bondage any longer, but there is freedom. We're not in bondage and oppression any longer, but there is liberty. Bible says he whom the son has set free is free indeed. No longer are we enslaved by the weak and the beggarly elements of the world, but God has elevated us to sit in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We have the ability to come from the earth and participate in the heavenly celebration. And at the same time, we are in the earth to recognize what Jesus Christ has done. I want you to know I refuse to stand without dancing. I refuse to sit without speaking. I refuse to shut my mouth, but I'm going to declare the mighty and the great works of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The cross is where he's glorified, not shamed, not shamed, but glorified. 
It's a bloody mess, but it's a crowning achievement. The world looks at it in abhorrence. Why would anyone descend to that lowest state? He did not descend at the cross. He ascended at the cross. He conquers. He is victorious. I said he conquers and he's victorious. He's not in a grave, but he conquers and he's victorious. Calvary means that there is power. It's at the cross where he is crowned. King of kings. This is where he is crowned. Pilate insisted on writing above his head a sign and he wrote a title and he put it on the cross and this is what he said Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin it was written in the three predominant languages of the time the Jews said, wait a minute, write that he said that he was king of the Jews, not that he is the king of the Jews. Pilate, in a, an interesting take of irony, said, what I've written, I've written. And he was emphatically right. He is the king of the Jews. And in the process of being the king of the Jews, he's the king of everybody. Nobody is isolated. He's your king. Nobody's separated. He's your king. Nobody is marginalized. He's your king. Nobody is inferior. He's your king. Nobody is limited. He's your king. And he's my king. Jesus is the universal king. Praise God. He's the universal king. The cross is the place where Jesus takes his rightful place on the throne. And he knows us. Heaven celebrates and heaven refused to dance until Jesus comes into the earthly. And he becomes who we are. He knows every temptation, every struggle that you have. Amen. He runs speedily to our aid. That verse was spoken this morning. He secures those what does that mean? When you secure somebody, you run speedily to their aid. We have a high priest that secures those that call on his name. <laughs> he runs speedily to your aid. If you're in the middle of temptation here tonight, the king runs speedily to your aid. He secures you. Hallelujah. He responds to you. He was in all points tempted like as we are. He felt every infirmity that we feel. Praise God. He's the king that has become seen. He's crowned at the cross, and he's able to rule from heaven and from earth. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Helen, heaven is celebrating, and I'm celebrating tonight on the earth. And you can celebrate tonight on the earth because of the king that is crowned. Salvation is secure in this house tonight because he's the king of kings and lord of lords redemption is available tonight because he's the king of kings and the lord of lords if this crowd tonight is representation of his constituents then jesus is still on the throne and he's still powerful to save and he's still powerful to heal and he's still powerful to redeem hallelujah he's the king
Praise God as we stand together in this place tonight. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Every bit of pride and arrogance, he's king over it. Every bit of ego, he's king over it. Hallelujah. If you need faith tonight in this place, there is a king that was crowned with glory and honor, and he's the king of faith. Praise God. If you need to commit some things to God, you know that with confidence that he is going to take your commitment in confidentiality because he's the king of commitment. I'm going to pursue a passion. I'm going to follow through with it. I'm not going to come up short. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to leave it undone, but I am fully going to complete everything that is accomplished at Calvary. Every burden that you carry tonight in this place, every difficulty that you walked into this place tonight, I want you to know that he's the king of every burden. <laughs> he was tempted in every single point like we were tempted. He has felt every single burden. If you came in here tonight with the burden, there's a king of the burdens. Hallelujah. He's the king of every failure if you feel like I'm a failure I have not been able to measure up there is a king in this place tonight that's the king of failures praise God he's a king of every plan he's a king of every pain he's the king over every talent He's the king of your praise. He's the king of your worship. And he's the king over sin. God is the king, only wise, immortal, king of kings and glory and Lord of glory. He's in this house. He's able to accomplish everything. As you lift your hands tonight and worship him and praise him. God. 